Welcome to the 59th episode of The Week with Roger, a conversation between analysts about all things telecom, media, and technology from Recon Analytics. I'm Don Kellogg, and with me as always is Roger Entner. How you doing, Roger? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. So this week we're talking about the digital divide, and we're pleased to welcome Peter Linder from Ericsson to talk with us about that. Peter is the head of 5G marketing for North America at Ericsson. How you doing, Peter? I'm doing really good. Thank you for inviting me. Absolutely. So, Peter, Ericsson recently released a report on closing the digital divide. Can you give us a high-level view on, on what you found in the study? Yeah, so, in this study, we've looked at the, the uh, American digital divide and uh, essentially what it takes to close the uh, digital divide here over the, this, during this decade. In that study, we covered a couple of different things. We look at what is driving the, uh, the demand and how that has changed a little bit now with the, the, the pandemic hopefully behind us. We're looking at the fiber deployments, uh, how far that has come and what we can expect during the remainder of this decade, how, how deep fiber with, uh, can reach. And we're also looking at a little bit what are the different technologies that we have in the toolbox here, fiber, satellite, fixed wireless access, and what role they can play. And then also finally perhaps looking a little bit into the different natures and the rural digital divide, uh, the cost structures and the differences between if we're looking in the middle of a town moving out to the outskirts, or so we're talking about villages along interstate highways, whether we often have fiber, or things like the most remote areas. Yeah, that's quite the report, Peter. Yes, yeah, a number of topics in there that uh, I feel very passionate about. I grew up in a small town, so uh, I've seen what could a difference could be in a small town when you got some infrastructure in place. So what changes do we see? Because one of the concerns we have here in the U.S. is that we have a, a depopulation of rural America, and a lot of it is driven by not having enough telecommunication infrastructure. What does your report say there? I think what little bit what we're seeing is that when we're looking at the demand side, is that when we have talked about the digital divide for pretty much um, well, conversation has been as long as, as internet access and broadband has been. So, but what we in this report we're seeing that. I think what with the learnings now with the pandemic behind us, before we talked about something, okay, the digital divide is here, perhaps um, certain implication, especially for whether you are in the internet or not, or whether we're using the, the services zone for entertainment. But what we're seeing right now with the pandemic is that the, if it hasn't been part of the connected life, they've been struggled to, to work from home or you haven't been able to do it at all. We've seen the uh, the students, or especially the younger student, K to 12, that before there's been a strong push to connecting schools, but now when students had to be home, like it was not enough to connect in schools. We have to think about connecting students. Yeah, the, the classroom became their, their playroom, right? Exactly. So I think it's both like being being able to work and being able to get educated. Like That's like a total different importance level for a family than being able to surf and, and, and watch some entertainment. Yeah, and we've done some studies, and they, they show that virtually every white-collar worker can now work from home. Is allowed to, whether or not they, they have the facilities to do that, right, is another thing. But, you know, if you are taking a job where you're expected to be able to work from home and you don't have that connection that you need, then you know, maybe you can't take that job, right? Yeah, you can't take that job, or perhaps you cannot live the way you wanted to live. Yeah. So what did you see then in the change of demand after the 
you know, during and after the pandemic? That that is more kind of a lifeline now that the the, the internet access and having connectivity it's, it's it's become more of a lifeline kind of thing to to for both for work for education even for we haven't talked about healthcare yet but that was the third area we looked at um, at remote healthcare now both the caregiving side and the care and the receiver and are, are very comfortable having uh, conversations over uh, well between two screens uh, things that perhaps was no one would have thought about 18 months ago so that the uh, the healthcare piece is coming into to the picture as well and we're looking at it also perhaps a little bit broader perspective also looking at well how are small businesses affected very large transitions regarding the small business landscape a lot of small business falling off the cliff but also record numbers in in small businesses starting started right now so it's happening a lot at both ends of the small business landscape both in terms of falling out and added to the to the economy and so how far do you think will fiber take us in in solving these this change in demand that that I think we all are seeing? Right? Yeah, I think fiber is very interesting. I I've been working with with perhaps fixed broadband the first half of my career and was very much thrilled by them where well, I used to live in Stockholm, my apartment. Everybody had fiber in that building in in 2006. And also where some of the rural areas that I've been exposed to, that there is um, fiber has gotten very far. And the keys to unlocking fiber in those areas has been very much to get up to high take rates uh, initially. So I see here for North America, I see fiber being built out fiberhood by fiberhood. That's very much like very many small street fights that's, uh, that you're building out when, when you're building uh, with fiber. When I look at fiber, I, I look at the three different categories. How many large commercial buildings are going to get fiber by the end of the decade? How many small commercial buildings are going to get there by the end of the decade? And what do we think regarding residentials? And I'm convinced that the first category, large commercial buildings will get there by the end of the decade without any doubt. When I'm looking at small commercial buildings and residential households, we are kind of today at penetration rates, 14, 15, 16% perhaps, and growing at one and a half, two percent 2%. So if we double the, the fiber deployments over the next, uh, over the rest of the decade, we're hitting up somewhere at 50% in terms of penetration. So that is what I think is a reasonable starting point for the conversation. And does that take into account the, the stimulus for broadband deployment that's currently on Capitol Hill, undecided? Yeah, so I, I think it's... Well, it's, it's Hard to get, uh, guesstimate exactly where we'd end up, but uh, doubling of the growth rate for the rest of the decade from what we saw the two, three years before the pandemic is definitely assuming that this additional capital injected in, into it. Because with fiber, I guess it's, it becomes harder and harder the further out you get in the penetration, both in terms of it costs more to connect each subscriber and you're perhaps earning a little bit less. Yeah, the, the, the numbers that are underlying the the stimulus or, or the, the infrastructure bill on Capitol Hill are from Paul Desar's study when way back when he was working for Tom Wheeler, chairman of the FCC then. And the $40 billion gets us roughly from 80% to 95%. And another $40 billion would take us from 95 to 100 but that very last person is like extremely expensive to to serve and how do we get these people that are at the very 
that are not living in, in urban markets, that are not living in cities? What, what are the different technologies that can be used there? Now, I, I think that, as, as you point out here, the, 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 it becomes very, very costly, the, the last, especially last percent or two percentages uh, get, getting out there. And so I, I think you can view the problem from three, three aspects. You can look at, well, how far does fiber reach? And how far would that push us? Say that it's like 50, 40, 50, 60% somewhere there. And if you then go for the last percent, if we're talking about 20, 30, 40 billion to connect the last percent or two, where, where there is no fixed infrastructure nor cellular infrastructure, uh, it's perhaps hard to see how, how the, the last percent or so will, will ever be connected with, with any of those infrastructures. So that's perhaps a satellite play. If I look at the last numbers I saw from the wireless carriers, they're capturing like 325, 326 million out of 327 million. So we're, we're almost from a population coverage there, right? Yeah, I think, I think we could push it into the um, 99% bracket. The last percent, I don't perhaps believe that we could do, but for to getting up to 99% sounds feasible. Well, we don't have 100% uh, people connected to the electric grid either, right? That's one of the, 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 the myths that we have 100% electric grid, but we do not. No. And so, you know, you mentioned you also looked at the fixed versus mobile divides. What did you find there? No, I think we found a little bit interesting thing. So we looked at the fixed and, and the mobile divides and, and tried to answer the, the question as like, hey, are we really talking about one divide? Here is actually two, both the fixed and the mobile, and we perhaps should be, look at both of them as part of the same picture. And that's what uh, I think makes sense. The other thing we looked at, what if we take like standard uh, numbers from from Pew or anything like that, we see that the mobile divide is smaller than the fixed divide. So across these, the, in, in the most recent report from June, the, the difference which was 5 to 12% between the fixed divide and the mobile divide, roughly speaking that if we're going to close the, the mobile divide by the end of the decade, we need to increase the penetration by 2% per year. And if we're going to close the fixed divide by the end of the decade, it's going to have to increase that penetration by 3% per year. So I think that by just looking at digital divide as a fixed problem, it's we have a big mountain to climb. And from, so I think it's a little bit trying to look at these two together and think that there will most likely be people that will, will still only have, but they will at least have a mobile, being part of the mobile on the right side of the mobile divide and not being participating at all. Yeah, and we also have, have a segment of people who, who don't want to have the internet. They don't want to have mobile. They don't want to have that stuff. They're just not interested. We, we, we've looked at, at that segment quite carefully. And there are studies from NTIA. We have done studies, when I think one of them we will release pretty soon, that, that looks at that segment of people who don't, just don't see a point in the internet, right? It's, like, it's very hard for people like us to, to accept that some people don't want to be connected. And so we might never make it to 100%. Right. But I mean, I think, you know, when we look at those folks, a lot of times they are disproportionately older, right? And I think one of the things that Peter was talking about earlier in terms of, you know, reasons why we should close the digital divide are things like telehealth, right? And so we should, we should absolutely. But some people just say no. 
Well, but I, I, I can take a concrete example for my family. My mom, she was the only one that didn't connect to fiber on, when they pulled in fiber on her street. And I said, what are you doing? Are you totally crazy? And she said, well, I don't need fiber. I don't need the internet. I'm f- perfectly fine with Facebook and uh, my iPad. She didn't know that my sister and I put the 4G card in the, in the iPad and then she actually had access to the internet. So, and then when I convinced her to pull, to connect to fiber and we came home on Christmas, was, was, the house was connected to fiber, but there was no internet service running on top of it. She did not feel at that point, this is two, three years ago, that she needed it. But right now with the pandemic, she has to be the one that's been actually pushing the whole family to do the video chat, to stay connected and so on. And she even asked me, hey, are you on Snapchat yet? And uh, <laughs> I don't know where she got that question from them. But I, I think you're right here, Roger, that some people don't want to be there. But uh, I think we should ask the reasons. Is it because they're they're old and someone hasn't really helped them to understand the benefits? Or is it that there is the language barriers involved? Is it the digital literacy involved? Is it affordability? What, what is it? Yeah, th- there needs to be an education component. To all of this, if 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 you just throw fiber in the ground and throw even devices at people, that's only part of the solution. For ninety something percent, it's built it and they will come. And then for another couple percent, you have to convince them that broccoli is a good thing. Yeah, you have to help them see this kind of thing. Hey, the banks doesn't have any money anymore. What do you mean? You can't go and take out the bank money in the bank. Why not? Because they expect it to be digital. The doctor is digital and, and a lot of very functions. So I, I think it's important, especially for the the senior half of the, not half, but the senior part of the population that, hey, this is critical for, for healthcare, for being able to pay bills and for, for, for basic society functions. So if we take take a step back and, and, you know, I think you also looked at urban, suburban and rural differences. How does that play into this? No, so I, I think that we saw that there, there was biggest gaps on, on the on the fixed side in the uh, rural areas, as uh, perhaps expected. That's also as costly to, to upgrade and build the infrastructure. We saw that the most the gaps that was closest to each other were in the suburban areas. We have looked perhaps a little bit more at the cost profile when when you when you build out in rural areas. What does it cost to build fiber in a town? And if you take that as a baseline for what cost of connecting people with fiber, if then you do move to the outskirts of the uh, that same town or to a, a village along uh, an interstate highway, we saw that the cost for building fiber was going up by a factor of 4x. And if you get, then go to the most remote areas, there is uh, the factor was 8x. So the I think that some of the findings here was quite interesting. We see the well uh, leverage the fact that if you're close to fiber, then you, perhaps your last mile should be 100 feet high. And what I'm meaning with that is like perhaps you should have a tower there somewhere close by and leveraging that for the first wave of, of connecting people. Because if you don't have anything today of any decent performance, you're getting 5G fixed wireless access in, in a tower near, nearby could be a good, good first step. Yeah, no, Don and I are living that. We're working with a rural telco about building out fiber and and so we see that and a lot a big component is you know how expensive is it to build out and then come what often comes in and is very helpful and closes the gap is you know government 
state, federal, and 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 even county, or even municipal, right? Municipal subsidies, and sometimes they dictate. You know, we want everybody to have fiber. It's a it's a very interesting dynamic. We often look at it from a nationwide perspective, and we're looking at 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 census tracts and and census group levels. That it's it's quite fascinating. No, I, I think it's really fascinating, and it's also about. I think it's not everybody reflect on the fact that there's a difference in the cost structure because if you're looking at fiber or fixed wireless, the fiber is to a large extent fixed cost, and and then the variable cost is the last last like few feet into into garden and so on. But for covering like the, the the streets around you and so on, it's to a large extent a fixed cost. But if you look at fixed wireless, it's more variable in the in the cost structure. So different. If you're not super clear on exactly what the demand is going to look like, then it perhaps this this game of okay, why why go fixed cost structure versus variable, which is most relevant for for us here. Yeah, and for example, AT and T mentioned that some time ago that they build out fiber and then they're edging out with fixed wireless, and where they see demand, they backfill with with fiber, and if not, fixed wireless is then good enough. Yeah. In some circumstances, you can run into you would potentially run into capacity issues with fixed wireless as well. Yeah, and then then you fill back in with cable, with fiber, right? Yeah, I think you're, you can run into capacity issues, but it becomes a little bit like first you build a one lane road, and then well, people find it really good and start using it a lot. So all of a sudden, certain of the bottlenecks you had to to put in two lanes there, and I, I think it's a little bit of similar build, but it would. I think it's better to build a road with one lane and then have to, to address the bottlenecks when it becomes really successful than not having a road in the first place and just waiting for the road. Like say, hey, we couldn't get fiber 2025, so we get it 2042. I did, I did some stupid calculations regarding what if you take the current residential fiber penetration and the current growth rate that we had pre-pandemic, it will take us up to 2066 before we hit 80%. I don't think that is acceptable to our policymakers, you know, and I don't think it would be good for our country if we would have to wait that long. No, I think it would be really bad. Awesome to have you, Peter. Can you tell our listeners where to get the, the report? Yes, this report will be available on the, the, uh, on the Ericsson um, on a dedicated uh, website, so we'll make sure that uh, the exact address is included in the show notes. Terrific. All right. Thank you, Peter, for, for being with us. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure being here. And to all of you listeners, hope you've had an uh, enjoyable time together with us. Thank you. Thank you.